Hello, everybody. We are here at The Wire. Uh, we got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about the NBA free agency hit, the draft hit as well. When we talk about the big moves that happen, we're going to have our NFL weekly recap, as we always do. Tony's going to lead us off with that. And then we are going to have our most impactful player that changed their sport for better or worse. So we'll get to all of those. But first, guys, we're going to start it off with the NBA. Uh, I'm super excited, but I want to start off with the misses. I don't want to talk about the hits. Marvin and I will be ready for this. But, you know, I know there's somebody on the panel here that loves Michael Jordan. Loves him. It's like one of his favorite athletes of all time. Uh, mine, too, actually. I actually have all of his shoes. But you know what I've learned about Michael Jordan? He has no business being an owner and a general manager of a basketball team. And it's unfortunate because the man has earned his money and earned the right to do so. What he's shown time and time again, Kwame Brown, etc., that he's not capable of making good decisions. And I'm going with Exhibit A. I'm sure Exhibit B is where Tony will like to chime in, but Exhibit A. Gordon Hayward was signed for $30 million a year. A four-year, $120 million deal. Gordon Hayward. Now... I don't feel like he was underrated or overrated uh, when he came into the league. I feel like he earned his place going from Butler to Utah. And then he went to Boston and kind of got like a little hyped up. Um, I think he was phenomenal in Utah when he had the opportunity to be the number one. But the problem is he went to Boston and then it was kind of the shared load. Then he got injured. He never really had the opportunities. Kyrie Irving came. They drafted Jason Tatum and he didn't have a place. I'm not trying to say he's a scrub, but is he really... A $30 million a year type player. Marvin, please, you, you shook your head immediately. Uh, why don't you give us some of your feedback? He is now making virtually a max contract from the Charlotte Bobcats slash Hornets. Hell no, it's not worth $120 million. Gordon Hayward is hasn't been the same since that injury. It was a catastrophic injury. Uh, before that, when he was with the Utah Jazz, had an all-star season, was the number one scoring option. And as you mentioned, Richie, going to Boston and kind of getting, he didn't, it just never seemed to, he never seemed to fit into that system. College was different, as we can clearly see. He had success with Brad Stevens at Butler, uh, running a system that took them all the way to the championship game. But that level of success did not translate to the NBA. Completely different animal. So when you have a Jason Tatum and you have a Jalen Brown and you have a Kyrie Irving and you got a Marcus Smart, uh, you have a you already got a, a, a cast of guys that are already scoring options. And Gordon Hayward just couldn't fit into that system and become an even a third scoring option. So it confuses me as to why Michael Jordan thought that giving him a max deal would make the team better. I just don't understand what the goal is in Charlotte. You just draft LaMelo Ball, and you think that in free agency, Michael Jordan, knowing, you know, that's the thing. Michael Jordan, he really doesn't have, doesn't have experience or really knows how free agency works, honestly, because he's one of the greatest players of all time. So he doesn't have any clue. So he's played with one team. So he doesn't understand really the full scope of why guys decide to leave their respective franchises. But in this case, Gordon Hayward felt disrespected by Boston. I felt um, that's completely false. Uh, Boston did everything they could to try to imp try to 
insert Gordon Hayward coming back from that injury, and it just didn't work. Uh, you look at the past two postseasons. Uh, Michael Jordan, look at the past two postseasons. You see Gordon Hayward has not contributed nearly enough. They couldn't get past Miami. They couldn't get past the second round last year with uh, Kyrie Irving. So I really don't understand what Michael Jordan thinks that he's getting out of Gordon Hayward and all you out there. I don't think you understand it either. I mean, four years, $120 million, $30 million a year, when you could have saved that money and have got some more assets to kind of build around your rookie point guard because Gordon Hayward is not the answer. And if you ask me, yeah, you can give him a max deal. But if you, if Michael Jordan thinks you're going to get an all-star caliber player that he got out of him in Utah, it's gravely mistaken. I'm shocked that uh, by this for the simple fact that he wouldn't pay Kemba, Kemba Walker, people. So Kemba was a uh, lights out all-star, perennial all-star. And um, year in and year out as an undersized guard, not Muggsy Bogues-ish, but very undersized, uh, Kemba proved time and time again that he was a franchise-type player. And he didn't pay him because he he didn't feel like he was worth a Supermax. Now, again, Gordon Hayward is not making a Supermax, folks. You cannot make a Supermax joining another team. That's how that goes. You have to play for three years before you know. Anyways, he wouldn't be willing to pay Kemba at the time, $36 million, but he's willing to play Gordon Hayward 30 when Gordon hasn't been able to do anything yet. Now, again, maybe he finds his rhythm. I'm not just trying to completely smack talk, but we're going to go into Exhibit B because Tony and I talked about this briefly. LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball. Now, I'm not saying this is a bad pick. I don't know if Tony does agrees or disagrees, but LaMelo Ball, actually, I, I was hearing rumors originally that Minnesota was going to pick him and that actually Golden State also wanted him and they went different routes. So um, I'll get into that in a second. But Tony, do you have anything to say about LaMelo or perhaps LaVar saying he could beat Mike in a one on one? OK, first off, um, yeah. LaVar is not going to ever beat Michael Jordan one on one. I don't care if he had his legs missing and Michael Jordan was in a wheelchair. I, I, it's, it's just not going to happen. Uh, to go back and touch on what you guys were talking about with Gordon Hayward, listen, he's been hurt multiple times. You know, he's had the potential to be a good value player. Um, I was reading an article and they said that out of the players on the team that he was on, uh, Jason Tatum, 23.4 points per game. Kimball Walker, 20.4 points per game. Jalen Brown, 20.3 points per game. Among that foursome, Hayward had the highest field goal percentage, and Hayward only averaged 17.5 points per game. So if you're looking at true shooting percentage, you're looking at 59.5% for Hayward, but still, points is what matters, number one. Other other people are putting up points. Mike should know all about that because Mike would shoot 17 for 38, right? So at the end of the day, it's all about putting points on the board. So even though Hayward might be more proficient, I'm a little skeptical about the Hayward signing at that kind of money. Um, obviously, you know, Michael Jordan is probably, I wouldn't say the worst GM or owner, I should say worst owner in the NBA, but he's definitely up there. The only owner that I would say would be worse than Michael would be the New York Knicks. Uh, but uh, I'm interested mm -hmm. to see what happens with Ball. 
as being the first round pick. I mean, the, the top three guys, we all knew that they were going to go where they were going to, not where they were going to go, but we knew they were going to go one, two, and three. Um, it just all depended on what flavor the team wanted to add to their team. But uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how this uh, either unfolds in a good way or how it all gets shoved back into Michael's face about being, you know, uh, a really bad owner. But uh, James Dolan is definitely, for me, the worst owner in the NBA. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, And, you know, worst is is always an interesting term. I'll say this much. You got at least a good argument there, Tony, and that's a bigger topic for another day. Maybe we could kind of dissect who's done worse with what they've been given. Um, I I definitely agree with you that Gordon's always been efficient, right? He he just doesn't need the volume to to be uh, what I would say quality in terms of points. Um, I just my concern is thirty million dollars implies you're a top player, and I'm not saying Gordon Award isn't capable. in Utah, he had shown he was getting there, and then the Boston stuff has derailed him. He's still a younger guy. It's not like he can't come back, so to speak. But I mean, to the the horrific injuries Marvin pointed out earlier, it's it, it it's it's tough. And honestly, I'm just going to transition. We'll talk. Speaking of injuries, uh, Clay Thompson out tore his ACL, uh, tore his ACL last year. Now as a ki- ruptured his Achilles, and Achilles, as we've talked about, folks, Kevin Durant is trying to come back from it. Uh, the great Kobe Bryant had an Achilles injury and he was never the same. People do not come back the same. Um, so I understand for the Warriors, they really had to transition. So they drafted James Wiseman, which makes sense. So if you don't know, guys, he's seven foot one. He's about 250 and he's a center. And realistically, that's what Golden State is so far behind on, even though they're light years ahead. Um, they've always been very bad about dealing with the paint. The only time they had a good paint situation was with Andrew Bogut. And when Bogut left and because they needed to pick up KD, they had to play Draymond at the center a lot of the times. And that, that wasn't great for them. So getting Wiseman was the smart pick. I think it's the fix it now pick, not necessarily the best pick. But uh, I understand you got fans here in the Bay. They're not what I would consider like the strongest fans. So you, you got to keep them around. So I think Wiseman's a good pick because with Clay out, Curry is going to have to do a lot. Um, so I anticipate you're going to see him back in that MVP talk because he's going to have to do it. And he's capable in that sense. I, I expect Curry to average 32 points per game. I really think he's going to get that type of opportunity because they really don't have much else right now. I mean, I don't know what else to say about that. It's when you look at what they got right now, they have Wiggins who's a fine player, but he just he's never had the motor or the the, the drive that that's necessary. Andrew Wiggins is one of those stories where he could be a perennial all star if he actually put in the effort, but he just doesn't seem to be there. So I think you're going to get 20 points per game out of Wiggins and Curry's going to have to be at that 32 point per game for them to even make it into like the sixth pit, you know, sixth best team in the West. They're, they're not anywhere. And it's really unfortunate because before Clay got injured, people were discussing they could have potentially been the second or third best. So they're picking up Wiseman. It's logical to try to compete. They had to do what they had to do. I think for Minnesota, picking up Anthony Edwards was a safe pick. LaMelo is the long-term pick. And I do think he has, you know, a lot of people, I'll say this about LaMelo Ball. He's six foot seven people. 
and he's going to turn 19 when the season starts. I mean, this kid's still growing. We don't know how big he could get. Now, yeah, he's 190 pounds, but he's 18 years old. Of course, he's 190 pounds. So uh, I'm very curious. I think this was a great pick, to be honest, even though I just said, you know, Jordan, yada, yada, yada. But I'm not going to give him credit outside of the, like LaMelo slipped to him. And I think you, you, you take that future project pick and you run with it because realistically, who are they going to take Patrick Williams like that? That's not going to help. So I, I personally don't think there was a lot of draft picks to talk about. We talked about the top three. I think they have a lot of relevance, but I would like to talk about the free agency. Marvin, can you tell us what's been happening in Lakerland? Because a lot of things happened over this weekend. Well, I'll tell you, the Lakers didn't rest on their laurels. <laughs> they definitely stacked up over the weekend. Uh, they definitely lost some. They lost some guys in free agency. They lost Javale McGee. Uh, they lost Dwight Howard. They lost Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo went to the Atlanta Hawks on a on a two year deal of fifteen million dollars. Dwight Howard, uh, after tweeting saying that he wants to stay in the purple and gold, uh, he wants to remain a Laker for life. Uh, removed the tweet and not an hour later uh, finds out that he signs a contract in Philly. Uh, so he departs. And so the Lakers, Rob Palenka, just didn't, he didn't sit on his ass. What he did was he just made moves. He went out and got Montrez Harrell, took Montrez Harrell from the LA Clippers, signing him to a two year, two year deal. The former six man, the former six man of the year. Uh, so they added, they added uh, another depth piece there. They actually went younger at that position. They added Wesley Matthews. Wesley Matthews has played with Dallas, Ma the Dallas Mavericks for a few years and the, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, perimeter shooter, uh, versatile wing defender. So the, um, the Lakers, they decided they wanted to go, they wanted to go younger. Uh, they also added Marcus Gasol, another big body. I mean, we all know that he's up there in age. He's moving a little slower now. I mean, he's he's like a you know a caveman, but that's a big body you can throw at Nikolai Jokic. And so the Lakers knew that, so they took advantage of that signing. Um, the Lakers also uh, re-signed uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and they also re-signed Marquise Morris. Uh, so the Lakers, as currently constructed, look like did the team still to beat in the West? I mean, they have they have loaded up. Uh, when you look at and you look at how they made these moves, Rob Palenka over the years has, has said, "I don't want to. I don't want to rest on my laurels. Just winning the championship." He kind of followed this example from Kobe. He's always continue to make the team better. So, adding these pieces, I'm very I'm very interested to see uh, how this team is going to to look. You know, chemistry wise, you know, just being so new um, because it takes, as you guys know, it takes a, it takes a while to build up chemistry when you get free agencies to sign into the team, to buy into the culture. And, and I can't believe I'm forgetting this guy's Lakers at another big signing. Can't forget this. Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> you can't forget Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder um, having a, a career year last year playing with Chris Chris Paul um, in the first round. I think he was. I think he's a, a great piece that the Lakers added. Uh, definitely dynamic. Uh, definitely a dynamic player who can give you valuable minutes off the bench. Uh, perimeter shooting. He shot. I believe it was over forty five percent from three um, in the postseason. So the Lakers looked at that and they said we need that kind of level of consistency. So. 
The Lakers in the West seem to be like the team that's added the most pieces in the last few days. <laughs> While the Clippers on the other end have had Serge Ibaka, we can see why he wanted to sign there. Uh, Serge Ibaka wanted to play with, quote, fun guy <laughs> again. So it's going to be interesting, that robbery. Um, but I think it was more hilarious, Richie, seeing Patrick Beverly's uh, <laughs> reaction. Tony, I know you saw that. <laughs> he was pissed. <laughs> but I mean, guys, you can't, I mean, I mean, what do you think? I mean, after all these moves, you think they're they're still the team to beat? Uh, yeah, I have to go with the the team to beat. But I'll say this: um, they they got better and worse. I'd say they got better overall, but worse in some areas. I think one of the things that made them so effective was having the big bodies and having the guys like Dwight Howard and having that veteran leadership. Now, I love Marcus Gasol. I think, you know, in terms of basketball skills, Marcus Gasol is significantly better than Dwight Howard. But, you know, one thing Dwight did do, as you mentioned, Marv, uh, one guy that is going to be a big deal to them is Jokic, right? The Joker. And Dwight was very good at playing bully basketball and he did a great job of getting on him and Anthony Davis and getting on him and staying on him. And Mark, Mark's not what he used to be in that sense. And he doesn't have that youthfulness that like Dwight still can kind of offer. Uh, but again, like I think from an offensive standpoint, no comparison, Mark is so significantly better. And I think from an offensive standpoint in general, they, they got better. I think Dennis Schroeder's the, the, the biggest deal of free agency, quite frankly. I think that was a huge pickup by Rob Palenka. Um, I think for the Clippers, uh, you know, I'll say this. I don't think the Clippers, they, they made some small free agent pickups. It's its really not worth discussing, but I'll say this much. I don't think the Clippers are going to win or lose based on the free agency. I honestly don't even think Harrell is going to be whether or not they win or lose. Uh, I think it's a big pickup for the Lakers, a free pickup, so to speak. But I don't believe it's going to impact them. It really comes down to will Paul George and Kawhi get their shit together, quite frankly. And if they do, they can still compete with the Lakers. They st- they can. But uh, I definitely think L.A. is the favorite. Side note, the Dwight Howard thing wasn't on Dwight. It was actually on L.A. They rescinded their verbal agreement with him because they need to make room money-wise to get Marcus Gasol. That's why uh, Dwight did not end up getting come back. And he ended up signing a veterans minimum with Philadelphia, which I think is a very interesting placement for him. I'm very much looking forward to seeing Philadelphia. I think Daryl Morey is... My favorite general manager, he's making a lot of moves over there in Philly. And he actually dumped the Horford contract, which was huge. Uh, Alan Bray made a huge mistake and signed Al Horford to 30 plus million a year. And they were to dump that, that salary finally. So I think the last thing I'd like to say about the NBA, and then we'll let Tony and Justin kind of chime in on anything they want to talk about. Um, I'm very, very curious about AD. So Anthony Davis, for you folks at home, uh, he has not signed a deal. And the rumor, and I love talking about rumors, the rumor is he's waiting to see if Giannis is going to be doing a Supermax this year or not. Because if Giannis is, well, he's going to do a one plus one. And what that means, or if Giannis doesn't, sorry, he's going to do a one plus one. If Giannis doesn't sign a Supermax, next year he will be a free agent and he can go anywhere. So if he does do that, the, the, the rumor is Anthony Davis wants to do a one plus one. And then LeBron and Anthony want to try to get Giannis on board to join the Lakers and basically blow up the team and just keep those three. Now, that's the rumor. Will that happen or not? We'll see. I firmly do see that as a possibility. 
because the 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 two rumors are he'll do a one plus one or he's going to do a three year to to match lebron's years on his contract so we'll see what ends up happening with that i'm very curious um if Giannis does join the lakers i mean I don't even know if I watch the NBA anymore. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of this like super team. The athletes just communicate and try to join each other. Like, I I'll don't like watching. that shit. I'll be watching. I would love um, that. No, I know no, Marvel be through. I'm an 80s baby, man. I loved watching teams. And again, I, I respect the athletes. They deserve to be happy and do what they want to do. Uh, and, you know, LeBron has been a centerfold for getting that to the position where they're all in now. But I loved watching. And again, yes, there was only three teams, but I loved watching these teams organically get built like the Golden State Warriors pre Kevin Durant. Like I w- love watching someone just find talent effectively and not just like, oh, well, I'm buddies with this guy and he happens to be really good. So we're just going to go to Miami, you know, things like uh, if Giannis joins it's no fault to the Lakers, you know, kudos to them. They'll win like two more championships with that team. And if they win this year, that means potentially they go four in a row. I could see that happening. I'm not trying to say it wouldn't. I think it a thousand percent would for obvious reasons, but I very much don't like to see little markets uh, go under like that. So it'll be very curious to see what ends up happening. I'm also very surprised about the whole Houston situation for those of you at home. Both superstars who are best friends in real life went to elementary school together. James Harden, Russell Westbrook, no longer want to play with each other. They're still best friends, but they both don't want to play with each other and they both don't want to be in Houston. So Houston is going to have to try to figure out something. But Marvin, as you saw, um, they're are some draft picks that kind of just went to the wayside so i just don't see how you can dump off james harden when you're having significantly inferior players picking up what was it four first round draft picks over the next four years marv i think that's what yeah. it was yeah. pretty crazy news it was i mean they're trying milwaukee's doing whatever they can to keep Giannis, but my goodness that just kind of put a asterisk around all the future trades of the next couple years because that's what is going to be held as the standard even though it shouldn't be it's it's a pretty insane thing but i have one question for tony and justin and then marvin you can kind of cap this thing off what would you be looking for most in this upcoming season because you might not have watched this last year in the bubble and they're going for round twos basically what are you looking for what do you want the nba to do to pick it up during COVID, because the nfl guys has only lost 10 percent viewership the nba has lost over 50 percent of its viewership during COVID. so what do you think is missing well number one you know i'm very curious to see what the lakers end up doing uh you guys talked about that a little earlier uh in the show but uh yeah i want to see if they're still the team to beat and as of right now they are still the team to beat right because they're just loading up and getting ready um you know harden and westbrook they tried to do this once before you know uh they were drafted on the same team i believe in okc and that didn't work out right so you know i i think they thought that maybe they could figure it out because they're dominant players but that's just the thing um they're two dominant players that really don't work well together um so it's just one of those things so they have to you know work that through so i like to see where that storyline goes you know what happens with 
with Harden. Um, I really want to see Giannis is holding off signing anything right now, and I like the story that you did with Anthony Davis. Uh, he hasn't, um, Giannis hasn't signed an extension. I really want to see how that plays out. You know, this season is very open for me to watch. And if Giannis does go to the Lakers, I'm right there with Marvin. I'll be watching the NBA. Um, I don't like the the whole super team thing, but it is, you know, something to watch. It's like it's like Ocean's Eleven, right? You have all these stars in the same movie, and it's just like mm, this might not be as good as I think it's gonna be, but it you still watch it, and guess what? It was great, you know. So the Lakers, they're gonna do their damn thing. And, you know, hopefully people watch to see what happens. But for them to pick up, you know, more viewership, I I can't answer that question for you. I think that, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, might not watch the NBA just because they're trying to make a, a, a statement about what matters to them in life. And some people don't really coordinate with that or correlate with that. Um, But, you know, that's just my opinion. If the NFL were allowed to have people kneel and they showed people kneeling, they would have lost more than 10% viewership. So I'm just going to be honest that I think that's what it has to deal with. People don't want to see Black Lives Matter on on the court or all these different statements, even though it is very important to project out, I think people are, are not going to mix with that. And that's probably why they lost a lot of their viewership. But once again, that's just my opinion. Um, no one's talked to me. No one said anything. I'm just going out on a limb and sit, telling it like it is. Didn't catch it from your beat. Yeah, that because that's the world we live in. You know, that, uh, you know, that's what I see. I put two and two together. NFL only lost 10%. They don't have Black Lives Matter blasted everywhere. People aren't kneeling. You know, they haven't lost viewership. The NBA has lost drastic viewership and they're just on a campaign to change the world and the mindset of people with with systemic racism in the world that we live in. Justin, how about you? What do you think the NBA could do? Uh, well, yeah, I think trying to get back on a regular schedule, I don't know what the product's going to look like, though, crunching these two, you know, massive seasons together. And um, there's a lot to what Tony said that I think rings true. I think um, media is a very dangerous, dangerous uh, beast. And depending on um, the times and what's going on and the mindset of the viewership, um, mass you could sink and it doesn't take anything away from what the NBA is trying to do um, but right now Black Lives Matter means a million things and that's the media's fault because we know what it truly stands for but that, that's that been lost for months so right now anything that doesn't involve the crap of 2020 is going to be something that people are going to be feeding on and uh, that's unfortunate for people who are trying to make such great changes. Um, but I think they need to keep doing it. I think they just need to keep making exciting basketball. Um, as far as COVID goes, stay on it. I think they did better than the NFL did, <laughs> you know, in my opinion. Um, a quick take on the whole MJ deal. 
It, yeah, it doesn't sound like he necessarily is a, a, a pro owner, but I think a move, I, I keep bringing this damn movie up, but like watch Moneyball, man. I, I think a move like that and making offers that, that aren't 120 million, but are a little more reasonable um, with uh, a stronger overall lineup. I think that, is something that for him to look into. Maybe he needs to get an accountant or, or some whatever that guy was that Billy Bean had that started chirping in his ear saying, hey, hey, stop dropping these big ticket contracts and get some real stable uh, basketball going and then use your knowledge to make this program amazing. I think he could do that on that side of things. Uh, that man knows basketball, but I don't know, finances, maybe not so much. Yeah, I mean, uh, Justin, accountant, something. You know, it's. I think the best way to describe it from my perspective of not knowing him and not necessarily knowing the situation of what he goes through as a person is just when you're an uber talented person, everything you did and everything you work is your process, and that that's what it is. Uh, but you have to understand you were successful because of that. Like, not everyone can do what you did. Or, you know, like Kobe Bryant's a prime example of that. He was cutthroat and he just shoved and pushed people so um it was just too much sometimes and i think that's the problem with mike is like he doesn't have a good understanding of talent because he just focuses on what he thinks like oh i like how he plays this way but that doesn't mean the player necessarily is going to be good it's just he sees something that could be dominant and then expects it to work kwame brown being an example i think lamello was actually a good choice but marvin would you please close this out and then we'll get going to the NFL with Tony. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, Tony, you took the words right out of my mouth, man. I don't want to spend any more time than I need to on it. Um, like you said, that percentage, 10%, 50%. Um, I think the bottom line is the players aren't going to shut up and dribble. And I think later on the show, when we get to uh, players that have had a significant impact on the, on their respective sports, uh, I think you all will know who I'm talking about. And we'll get to that later, but we want to wrap up NBA and get to NFL. You're listening to The Wire. We'll be right back. Are you tired of the mundane one subject, one point of view podcast? Have you been searching for a show that combines comedy, games, current events, and hot new up-and-coming artists? Well, look no further. The H2G Podcast has everything you need to start your week out right. So what are you waiting for? Stream previous seasons now at h2gpodcast.com. The H2G Podcast, Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Available at all social media platforms near you. Welcome back to The Wire, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be talking about the NFL. We're going to do a real quick, real quick, excuse me. I did it too quick. Recap of last week's games. So on Thursday night, we had the Seahawks take care of the Cardinals. 28 to 21. You had the Lions put up a, a, a egg against the Panthers, 20 to zero. You had the Steelers take care of Jacksonville Jaguars, 27 to three. You had the Patriots lose to the Texans, 27 to 20. 
Yeah, the Titans. Woo boy, that king, that king came through on that run. 30 to 24 against the Ravens. The Eagles and the Browns. The Browns, they got out of there 22-17. The Falcons, where were they? Nowhere to be seen. They're looking up. I can't see no Falcons flying. Nine points, the Saints 24, no Drew Brees. Washington 20, the Bengals nine. More to that story later. Chargers 34, Jets 28. The Broncos score 20. The Dolphins finally lose. They only get 13. The Cowboys, the Cowboys 31, the Vikings 28. The Packers lose to the Colts 31 to 34. The Chiefs took care of business against the Raiders 35 to 31 in an entertaining Sunday night game. I'll tell you, Monday night game as of right now, the Rams and the Buccaneers are 17-17. But uh, you'll know by the time you watch this how that game actually ended. So I got some things to talk about real quick before we get into take it or defer. Uh, Something to note, the Bengals game only had nine points. Well, something else really bad happened. Joe Burrow got hurt. Um, he He will be out for the remainder of the season. Terrible injury for the Bengals to have happen when they had this prolific quarterback rookie come in and just you know turned it around a little not a lot but turned it around a little the three and seven Bengals would be tied for second place in the nfc east if they were in the nfc east at three and seven uh that's just how bad that division is um something to note for thursday night's game baltimore and the ravens we had ravens head coach according to cbs uh, sports.com there's going to be some key people missing ladies and gentlemen we have Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins have tested positive and will not be available for Thursday night's game against the Steelers Gus Edwards will get the start he rushed 130 yards against the Steelers in week 17 in the 2019 season additionally defensive tackle Brandon Williams will also be placed on the team's reserve COVID list so With that, and I'm sure we can talk about more, but we're going to go straight to my main man, Richie. Are you going to take it or defer the Cardinals versus the Seahawks? Ooh. Oh, man. That's... That was a game. You know what? I'll take it. Let's take it. All right. Let's take it. So, guys, guys, guys. One thing I can say full-heartedly is DK Metcalf needs to learn to catch the damn ball. I don't know what else to say, Marv. You know, like, <laughs> I, I don't know how else to put it. I, we, you know, we talked about his greatness and how I, I, I think he's such a unique guy and he could easily become, you know, and I don't want to say Megatron, but he could become his own type of just dominance just because of his physical gifts. But that boy can't catch a football when it hits him in the hands i don't know how else to put it he's he's got some bad hands um it was this was a hell of a game uh, i really enjoyed watching like i love kyler murray man like what a beast i think this kid's got all the talent in the world and um i i think from the quarterbacks he had two solid performances from them neither of them really stood out I don't think any of them did great. It was, you know, no turnovers from that perspective. They were fine on that pers- uh, for not throwing any picks. But uh, Kyler, I think Kyler needs some help. 
I'm just going to say it. Uh, when you look at this game, uh, Seattle was able to control the time of possession. They had 100 and I think 60 yards rushing. And I think the, the Cardinals had like 50. I, I mean, it was literally like triple the rushing yards. It was it was just really challenging. You know, Arizona reminds me of way back when Kurt <laughs> Warner was on Arizona and it was his first Larry Fitz and then they got Carson Palmer back like down the road and they started this aerial assault and that, I think that's what they have they have this you know you got Larry Fitzgerald you got DeAndre Hopkins you got Kirk you got a lot of great talents and it's just they have to balance their offense more uh, Kenyon Drake's just not getting it done uh, he averaged two. I'm looking at it now. He averaged 2.6 yards per carry. That's not going to get you anywhere in the National Football League. I think the Cardinals are close to being a great team. They have an explosive offense, and I don't know if they still do after this week, but they had the number one offense in terms of yards and et cetera. Um, but I, I just think Seattle got lucky. Their defense is terrible, and Arizona just didn't put up the points that they're able, they're normally able to. But what I will say is this: the score, twenty-eight to twenty-one, is not indicative of what it should have been because Metcalf dropped two touchdowns. Um, this could have been a much bigger lead. Um, I think the biggest takeaway again is that Arizona's rushing attack has to improve, or they're not going to get anywhere. Even though they're six and four, and it's an extremely, extremely. Uh, awesome division as opposed to the NFC East. I just don't see Arizona getting in even as a wild card at this point. They don't have a balanced offense and, and they're going to live and die by Kyler Murray. And again, I think he's a stud, but he's, you know, he's, he's a young quarterback and you can't expect uh, a young quarterback to just lead a team with no rushing at all. You know, usually when you see a quarterback who's young or not as productive as they could be or lacking the leadership and the experience, they tend to run the ball more. Right. They, that's they kind of keep it out of their hands and, and they're not giving Kyler the opportunity to use his legs and use his athleticism in the right way. They're relying on it as opposed to taking advantage of it and doing like bootlegs and, you know, like rollouts and, and playing off play action. And that's where they'd really shine. If they could get some play action going for DeAndre and Larry Fitzgerald and let Kyler use his legs, I think they'd be a lot more successful. But, you know, honestly, uh, this was an important one for Seattle. They've been on a slide. Uh, people have basically been calling them fraudulent lately, and they've been dying and uh, living and dying by Russell Wilson. Uh, their defense, quite frankly, regardless of the, the rushing that I refer to, they stepped up enough to get the job done. Seattle's defense still has to show me something. They're terrible. Uh, they're still on pace to have the most yards given up in an entire NFL season. So overall, both the teams, good teams by record, but big holes, and I don't see them as contenders. All right, my main man, Marvin. Thank you, Richie, for that. Marvin, do you take or defer the Cowboys versus the Vikings? I'm going to defer that. The hell with that division. Um, both teams are – one is scrambling to make the playoffs and the other one is uh, – Trying to put the, the the team on the weight of the weight on the back of one shoulder and that Dalvin Cook and I don't want it. I'm sorry, I don't want that game. All right, no problem. Do you take or defer the Packers versus the Colts? No. Okay, I'll give you a good one then. Do you take or defer the Chiefs versus the Raiders? No. no? The game I want is coming up very soon. I hope you get to it. Because <laughs> I can't wait. Okay, do you take or defer the Titans versus the Ravens? Mm -mm, I don't want that one. You don't want no. that one? Do you take or defer the Patriots versus the Texans? No. 
Okay. Do you take or defer the Steelers versus the Jaguars? No, I don't want it. You know what game I won't get to it. Come on. Come with me. Come on, Tony. Do you take or defer the Eagles versus the Browns? Give me it. Okay. <laughs> give me it. Give me it. Give me it. Wow. Okay. All right. Because I don't really have... See, y'all y'all would be surprised. I don't really have too many good things to say about the Browns. I know they came out with a win, but I got to chop up both teams today. All right. Let's start with Carson Wentz. Okay, Carson Wentz was sacked five times through two interceptions. Carson Wentz currently right now is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. He has been sacked 44 times, folks. Justin, Tony, Richie. 44 times. That's how that's how many times this man has been hit. He leads the lead in interceptions. I mean, when you look at the if you look at the Eagles as a whole, we discussed this last week. We said the Eagles were heading and were trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, they're getting guys coming back that are healthy. You got a Miles Sanders uh, that just came back. You got Alshon Jeffrey is still trying to get his feet underneath him. Um, Zach Ertz is coming off IR, so they still got a reliable tight end in Dallas Goddard. But when you look at just the piss poor play of Carson Wentz over the last, over just the entirety of the season. I mean, it's just really surprising why Doug Peterson, numerous, numerous times, countless times, post-game interviews, as he says, as they ask him, did you consider a, a quarterback change towards the end? And he says, no, we, we didn't really consider that. Basically, I want to translate it for you all out there, Justin, Tony, Richie. What he's basically saying to you is that, no, we, don't, we didn't want to win this week, and we don't really plan on winning next week either. I think we're good with the quarterback that we have, the mediocre play that he's displaying, because one play, I don't know if you all watched it uh, or caught highlights of this game, but Carson Wentz was under duress. And instead of just throwing the ball away like we discussed a week ago, <laughs> um, he just gifts it to he just gifts it to the cornerback with in the in their own red zone for a pick six. I couldn't believe it. And the chop the Browns up, the Browns played great on defense. Amazing, like we've said all year, like Richie has said on this show, Miles Garrett, um, even though he wasn't present for this game, the defense stepped up. They forced sacks. They forced turnovers. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. That defense looked like the defense of the 80s. They looked like a defense that looked like they are hungry for the playoffs, like they want that wild card spot. Where I do chop them up, folks, y'all out there on this panel, uh, Baker Mayfield is not getting the job done. He's simply not getting the job done. He's doing, he's doing almost enough, but he's not. They're not winning games become because of him. And if you're a Browns fan, or if you're a football aficionado, you're looking at his level of play and you're thinking to yourself, that's not going to get it done in the postseason. That's not going to get it done in the wild card, because if he can't put games together where he's pat, where he's efficient, where his where he's completing. Um, either over 50% of his passes, they're not going to win football games. They're relying too heavily on the run when Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is paying them well, it's, pay, it's doing them dividends. But still, like when you put that much weight on two running backs and you're not, and you don't have an Odell Beckham and you're trying to mix the ball around and throw it to it and you're not getting the ball to a Jarvis Landry, I just think that the Browns are just getting by each and every week. And 
they're really going to get ex- and they're really going to get exposed. But I mean, you can't take away from the fact that they won this game. But Tony, it was really, it was it was hard to watch because I mean, the Browns at any moment offensively they're just inefficient, and I think those inefficiencies are starting to, they haven't started to, but they're starting to get more exposed as we start to get into the postseason because the Browns are fighting for that wild card spot. The Steelers are right at the top. The Browns have proven that they are playing better football than the Ravens currently, but they have to understand that Baker Mayfield is going to have to do more than right than more than he is right now because they beat a hapless Eagles team. And if you look at the Eagles right now, it's currently constructed. I think that a lot of teams could take advantage of their ineptitude at offense. So I, I just I, I don't see I don't see a bright side for either team. The Eagles are not going to win that sorry division, and the Browns are are hanging on for dear life. The defense will take them as far as the defense will take the defense will take them a long way, but they're not going anywhere because of Baker Mayfield. I'm with you, man. Nick Chubb. If they didn't have him that game, they don't win that game. No, they don't have. They don't win. They don't have either, or they don't win. That's the problem. All I have to say is the Eagles need to be thankful, even though they lost. They need to be thankful that Miles Garrett wasn't on the field because that would he would have ate for days after the performance that he would have put on because Carson Wentz and that offensive line that was mo- the the most horrific game i he, he looked lost out there i'm surprised they even put up the points that they did put up and it was just because of turnovers in the red zone and then they were able to get one pass off go ahead marvin you say what you need to say just I must want I want to wrap this up. Justin Tony Richie, let's let's take let's get let's get in the, the the time traveling machine for a second. Do you remember Donovan McNabb? Yes. Yeah, Chunky Soup. Oh, okay, right, right, Chunky Soup. What do you think that they would be saying about him now if he was playing like this the way Carson Wentz is playing? Oh, you know what they'd be saying? He'd be benched. He would exactly. He wouldn't even be playing. I mean, they wanted to bench him when he was playing. To be the moment he didn't start performing, they wanted to bench him. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So I just I don't understand. So so the they're not so a level of culpability and accountability doesn't exist with Carson Wentz. You know, but it existed with Donovan McNabb. I just wanted to get that out there. I just I just wanted to go back in time for a second. No, no, I I feel you. I feel you. this is because it screams volumes to me, Tony. You know what I'm talking about. Hey I, hey, I know where you're going. The only thing that I can think of, and this is this is the only thing, and it's and it's petty as hell, but with how bad they suck, they still lead that division. They're tied, but because of the tiebreaker, they lead that division. So if they were one in whatever the hell the record would be, there definitely should be a change. And if there wasn't a change, then we would then I would walk down that path with you about why there isn't a change, because I know they have somebody on the bench that can give them a little bit more than what Carson Wentz is giving them. You're they the know worst, they do. You're we are the worst with interceptions and turnovers. You're the worst when it comes to being sacked. You know, just because you're leading the division and maybe that's the reason why they don't make the changes because they're comfortable with Wentz. 
Are you comfortable with all of what he presents for your team? I mean, yes, you almost had a chance to win, but we're, we're talking about something else here. You need to have prolific players in place to step up when something happens. And that's what great teams do. They have a backup plan, okay? The Steelers didn't have a backup plan last year, but you know what they did have? They had a head coach that knew what the hell he was doing. And I believed in Duck Hodges a lot more than I believed in Mason Rudolph because what Mike T did was he put him in position to be successful. Sean Payton put his team in a position to be successful. You can fight all you want. Jameis Winston or Hill, which one are you going to start? At least they had those options. At least they had those options to be able to go, well, hey, we could we could let the guy that throws a lot of touchdowns start or the guy that throws a lot of interceptions start. Well, that's the same person. Well, then let's just have the other guy start that is – a prolific player, uh, you know, a dynamite player, um, a slash type player. He reminds me of Cordell Stewart, but better. That's what that's what Hill reminds me of because he can do so much. So, you know, I know where you're going, Marvin, and I don't really want to go off on a tangent, even though I just did. But yeah, if they were losing and he was still playing, I would definitely have that argument with you. And I'd be right next to you along with that argument. And with anybody that wants to debate it, it's definitely something else. Uh, the reason why, uh, you know, things aren't getting done. But as of right now, I think because they're still leading in the division, they probably want to keep Wentz in. And that's on them. You're going to live by that. And guess what? You're going to die by that. Getting over to you, Justin. Do you take or defer, and then we'll move on. I might as well just give it to you, even though I don't want to. You know, I'm going to give you something different. You want the Titans and the Ravens? I want the Patriots and the Texans. <laughs> you just, you're just going to tell me. You, won't even, <laughs> you, won't even let you already me said it. Okay, go ahead. Patriots, Patriots and the Texans. <laughs> take it or defer, you're going to take <laughs> I'm going to take it. Well, I knew that I just couldn't keep grabbing the Steelers game, so I was like, that's one I could kind of speak to. I, I, I just I, I can't believe that this is all going down with New England <laughs> because I, for a long time, was uh, on the other side of the argument that Tom Brady is not that big of a key to success. He's a big key to their success, but he's not that big. I don't know if it is a uh, you know mindset deal or if they just what the hell is going on in New England? But I, you know, I don't know. Even Cam Newton, uh, 365 yards and one touchdown. I, I really don't even have a lot to say about the game. I'm just, I don't know what's going on with the New England Patriots and and losing to the Texans, who are three and seven. It's, it's just like Richie had said earlier in the in this season. It's it's all downhill. <laughs> for New England, uh, maybe a good off season and some Belichick bows would do something for him. But I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I've been wrong this whole time, and Tom Brady was the key to success. <laughs> Listen, I'll say, I'll say this, and we can have this argument at a later date. But I think that if Tom Brady was on the Patriots, I think the morale of the team and the mindset and the prestigiousness of the team would be much different than it is right now. And that might give you a couple wins. 
but the Tom Brady that has weapons with the Buccaneers is still trying to find his way. So it was really a mix of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, in my personal opinion, because you see that they, you see how they are apart. Now, Tom definitely has a better record, or I should say, excuse me, the Buccaneers have a better record than the New England Patriots. Um, I will give you that part. But if Tom Brady was on the New England Patriots right now, I think they probably have two more wins than they have. So they'd be right at six wins. Um, but they still wouldn't be the Patriots of the past. That is long gone. See you later out the door. Um, unless, you know, they would have brought in some other players. We don't know how that would have, you know, deterred or made it different. But, you know, for that reason alone, for me, I, I don't think it would have made that much of a difference. Um, just two games is, is, is the difference there. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for uh, sticking with us for the NFL and the NBA. We're going to move on to players that have changed the sport for the better or for worse. Okay, so what I mean by this is I'm talking about Wilt Chamberlain type players where the, the league actually has to implement rules for you. I'm talking about Tiger Woods type players where you change how much money that people are making uh, just because you brought in fans. I'm talking about Jim Brown type players where you create a culture for a team and an organization that can that flips that organization completely over. Um, there's so many other ones that are there, uh, Serena and Venus. But uh, I'm curious to see what my panel of friends have to say because they're going to laugh on the direction that I went and I don't want to kick it off with a laugh. I want to end it or be in the middle for the laugh. So I, I want to go with Marvin if he's comfortable with it because I kind of know where he's going when he was talking earlier about people that have made a difference. Um, and, I, and I guarantee it's a difference for the better. Go ahead and take it away, my brother. Well, I'm glad you had to hold me back a little bit per the last conversation. <laughs> You've had to do that a little, a uh, few times on this, uh, this show and this episode already. So I thank you for that, Tony. And I thank you for y'all's patience out there. Uh, I don't, I got, I'll tone it down, but y'all know where I'm coming from. And, uh, like I said earlier in the show, um, this, uh, this man, this individual who I believe has had a tremendous impact on his respective sport, who is taking the hits who has stood up in the face of systemic racism, who won't, and I repeat, will not shut up and dribble. That man is LeBron James. You can mention the Tiger Woodses, you can mention the Michael Jordans, but when you look at LeBron James and what he's, when he's done, it, it makes me emotional thinking about it because of the impact that he's had on youth, uh, the youth are here in the state of Ohio with the I Promise Foundation. Um, from everything, from him speaking out when he didn't have to. LeBron James is a made man. LeBron James is one of the greatest players of all time. Mount Rushmore, if you put him there. But when you think about the impact that he's had on the game, not only just on the court, but off the court, a model, being a model citizen, off the court, just being a leader, showing you that, that there are things that are bigger than basketball, 
that you can have that same level of contrition and focus on your career to make a difference. LeBron James has been that voice. He's been more than a voice. He's been a voice for the black community. I will say that proudly. He's been a voice for the NBA community. He's been a voice for sports. He has inspired inspired kids and people all over the world by just being the guy that he is, you know, being the giving person that he that he's been, uh, sharing the stage, lifting others up, bringing others up, showing that you can that you can have a, a foundation with even your in, that even your enemy on and off the court. What he's been able to what he's been able to do recently uh, with with voting with. Um, I think it's ever it's every vote matters. I, I think uh, more more than a vote, more than a vote. Um, getting arenas and stadiums to, especially in LA, to open up venues for for people to vote. Um, paying the paying um, the bond of ex cons for just so they'd be able to have the ability to vote. Just these things speak volumes to me, as as LeBron James that he's made a, a tremendous impact on the game of basketball and, and this sport. Uh, because when you think of basketball now, you think of LeBron James. Uh, you think about what he was, you know, what he's been able to accomplish. And I think that what he's accomplished off the court, you know, as much as I love what he's done on the court, some amazing things, y'all. <laughs> but the most amazing thing that he's done is speak out for us. That's what he's done. When I seen him take a knee when the bubble started, y'all, that that's what meant the most to me. That's why I meant earlier in the, at the top of this show. That's what I was talking about. You know, because when you look at 50% and you look at 10%, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Because not only has LeBron James, but other players led by example with him, stood and hold arms together with him. He didn't have to do that. That was a sacrifice. That was a, that being being the face of the league. He did that. Regardless of how you all feel out there, black lives still matter. And it matters to LeBron James. And he wanted to let everyone know that it still mattered to him regardless of how much money he's had, how much he's accomplished. It didn't matter. Lives over rings. LeBron James. Yeah, Marvin, I I like that pick a lot. It it resonates with me because you know it's it's if you know anything about sports, Muhammad Ali is one of those figures that stood by for what he wanted and what the community needed. And whether you agree with it or not, that's entirely up to you. But it, it meant a lot for other people. Another great person was Jackie Robinson, which is a person that could be also on this list. That it, it, it took 80 years before an African-American even played in the major leagues. It even played in the major league. So what he was able to do at that time in 1940, it's pretty astonishing. You know, Michael Jordan is a, is a great talent, but Michael Jordan didn't want to be political. If you remember watching the last the last dance, 
even said it in there. He wasn't big on trying to be a political or an activist or anything like that. And that's okay. That's just who you are. But sometimes when you're put in that position, you have to stand sometimes because you are what people look up to. That's what you are. That's what you signed up to do. So I, I like your pick a lot um, and I respect it. So moving on, let's go with uh, Richie. If well, this is my brother. Oh, yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind. Um, this is tough for me because my answer is almost always well, Chamberlain and Muhammad Ali under any circumstances. Um, so I'm going to point out what I originally had planned and then why I'm going to go back to Muhammad Ali. Um, I originally planned on Wayne Gretzky, actually. I think Wayne Gretzky transcends his sport far more in terms of what he did for the sport. It's, maybe sans tiger woods that's probably the only person i think is similar so beyond the fact that he is the great one and i could go over his ridiculous accolades he won nine mvps 10 time league scorer the fastest to reach all goals and points within the career he still maintains all those records he's the only player to get 2000 regular season points and 3000 points in one season he's won four championships with the edmonton oilers alone uh, the biggest reason why I would say for him as an athlete and what he did for his sport is after he was traded from Canada to the United States, a uh, big deal because it, it wasn't, he went to the Kings, the Los Angeles Kings in 1988. And from 1988 up until I think 2011, uh, the NHL expanded from 21 teams to 31 teams. So 10 teams joined the United States after Gretzky got traded and within the first five years of him getting traded they expanded to 27 teams so the league got six new teams uh, that to me speaks volumes to his impact that San Jose Anaheim Tampa Bay Florida and the Phoenix Coyotes all came like all these cities were just like we need to get into this hockey thing because of how quickly and how dominant Wayne Gretzky was even in the U.S. So I would say for a sports athlete, Wayne Gretzky. But to Marvin's conversation, I have to go back to Muhammad Ali, as I always generally do, because to me, I think the most courageous thing I've ever seen an athlete do is what he did, which was April 28th. 1967 the united states was at war with vietnam and he said i'm not going to the war he got drafted he said not happening so they they sentenced him to five years in prison they fined him ten thousand dollars and he was banned from boxing for three years now just so you people know the case was appealed and he did not have to go to prison but the ban stayed in place so the man sacrificed when we talk about a sacrifice the man sacrificed his career for his religious beliefs. Um, a, a lot of people try to view it as he was afraid to go to the war and it had nothing to do with that, right? I mean, wh what's what Marvin was talking about earlier? Honestly, I, uh, he said, I ain't got no quarrel with Viet, Viet Cong. They've never done anything to me. So uh, you want to, you know, like to me, that was what I consider the first athlete to truly kind of recognize, like, why would I attack somebody who's done nothing to my people? And uh, he really did take a stand in that moment. And it's, it's it also a lot of people don't realize the hardships he went through due to due to that. He actually was very much poor. I mean, if you've seen some of his documentaries, he ended up actually Joe Frazier was very nice enough to help him out. Otherwise, he would have been even lower place. So the man sacrificed a lot for his life and his beliefs and uh, beyond his accolades in the ring. We're not going to get into those. Uh, I, I think he really did show uh, what 
an athlete should be doing in activism because in these periods of times you had guys like Bill Russell and and Will Chamberlain and all these athletes who are already massive stars but none of them did any sort of activism or social awareness or social justice until Muhammad Ali. So uh, to me, he's always going to be the goat for that reason alone. So I'm going to stick with Muhammad Ali. I wanted to go differently, but Muhammad Ali. And that, hey, that you already know what I said about that because I said it after Marvin said his his uh, part about Jackie Robinson and also um, Muhammad Ali. So you know where I feel on that. So very good choice there, Richie. Justin Duvall, my brother. Let's get it. Well, I was going to not pick a wrestler, but then I thought about it and I had to pick a wrestler. And... Um, we had our goat wrestling conversation last week and that was fun. And this man's name didn't really uh, float around that conversation even out of my mouth because in ring and in sometimes even on the mic, he's not the goat. However, um, he has, he, he came into his sport at a time where the sport needed uh, a revival, needed a revolution, needed a new face in wrestling terms, um, and needed something to follow. And what he's done since then, um, in ring, out of ring, and with his career in, in totality, has been astonishing. And I'm talking about a man who only needs two words to describe him, and that's ruthless aggression. Uh, John Cena. Um, in ring, he's fun to watch. He he is talented. He's not by any means the most technical wrestler or one of the best, you know, necessarily wrestlers. Um, he plays his characters so well. He he's constantly in control of the crowd, um, whether they want to be or not. He can spearhead his own hate campaign like nobody else. So uh, his accolades in that and in wrestling speak for themselves. That's not why he's he's my uh, pick for today's conversation. You know, even though 16-time world champ, he's tied with Ric Flair for the most. He's got five of the United States champs. I mean, a lot of great accolades. Not not why I picked him. Um, he has another accolade that to me speaks volumes. Um, he has the world record, I think, right now for the most wishes made for the Make-A-Wish Foundation at 650 wishes. Um, through his career and his beliefs and his uh, mottos, he's been able to capture millions of kids, probably. Thousands for sure, hundreds of thousands for sure of kids' attention and especially those kids that need encouragement like never give up or uh fight the fight um and not to mention he i believe richie you probably helped me out on this i think he has a lot to do with spearheading uh the tribute to the troops and sending the um the whole wrestling campaign over to the the places where our soldiers are stationed and giving them a show that's usually the card now that they started televising the card's huge you got like Taker going over, you know, all the greats showing back up. So I, to me, uh, John Cena is never even somebody that I support when I'm watching as a fan from the outside. It's just, he's been a solid rock. Um, I appreciate who he is and uh, 
the way he's maintained his composure as a professional over the years and the successful career he's had. I think he's, you know, I didn't like him as a film actor at first, honestly, but he's kind of grown on me. I enjoy seeing his film work now and um, just all around, what an amazing person. So as far as done a lot for the sport, maybe he hasn't done as, as much for wrestling as he has for his wrestling fans, but I think what he's done with the Make-A-Wish Foundation and his uh, passion for that is incredible. Well, thank you for that. So, um, yeah, you know, all of those are great picks. Now, I told you I did something a little bit different. Okay, I, I followed the same premise, but I thought outside the box. Okay, and I really appreciate and respect Marvin for his pick. I, I, I respect Richie for his pick, and I respect Justin for his pick. But I'm going to I'm gonna go a different route. See, I did a little bit of research on some stuff, which is never good, <laughs> okay? It's never good for me to do research on stuff. And like I said, all those other people that I mentioned when we started this conversation, I could have went that route. But I went with Drazen Petrovic. Do you know who Drazen Petrovic is? Does anybody know? No. No? Okay. So just follow me real quick, okay? This guy was an international phenomenon, okay? He had gold medals, he had uh, silver medals, he had bronze medals, okay? He played overseas, okay? He was an international player. He came and played on the uh, the New York Knicks, uh, I'm sorry, the, um, the Nets, sorry, he played for the New Jersey Nets, okay? He went toe-to-toe with Michael Jordan in the 90s one of the best leaders in scoring from international to come to the NBA. Such a hard time for him to come over that nobody actually really thought that he was going to make it in the NBA because the NBA was so dominant with the stars that they had just over generations to generations. But he decided to come over from Croatia and make it happen. He had three Phenomenal seasons in the NBA. You can look this up. It's a really good story. YouTube, Drazen Poyatovic, okay? Look it up. It's a really good story. What he was able to do was change the mindset of people that lived overseas, okay? And then what they did was they migrated to the United States to play in the NBA. So he opened up this, this broad spectrum for people to come over here. Okay, it's kind of almost like, um, you know, Elijah Wan. You know, it's almost like, um, you know, Dikembe Mutombo, okay? But this is different. This is European style, okay? So I'm gonna break down some numbers. Africa has had 58 international players. He didn't impact those. The Americas had 149. I'm talking about like Canada, South America, things like that, 149. Asia had 22 players that migrated over. Europe, 289 players have migrated over to play in the NBA. People such as Peja Stojakovic, okay, Dirk Nowitzki. If you ask them who got it all started for them, they'll tell you exactly who it was, okay? And the man is none other than Drazen Petrovic. That is who it is. Just like for us, it was MJ. 
or for younger generation, it was Kobe, or for other generations, it was Magic, or it could have been Wilt Chamberlain. You know, that's who they looked up to. These people, where they live, it, it, it's not always like what we think it is, okay? Sometimes people, they think they have it bad, but it's really not that bad over here in America. You know, they're fighting for freedoms. We're fighting for freedom, different, because we're able to do a lot of things that we can still do. We're allowed to walk the street. We might get harassed about it, but some of these places, they can't even go outside. Some of these places, they get raped terribly every single day. One in six girls get raped in America, and I'm not trying to go that route. But this country where, where he comes from, that number is one out of two girls gets raped. That's sad that it has to be that way. And it is that way, and it's sad that it is. But what he was able to do is just out, is astonishing. It is not on the same level of what Marvin and Richie talked about from that aspect, but I wanted to bring something up about international players and how they pay homage to this man for making a difference, for working his ass off, to making it happen, his dream, to come to the America and play in the NBA. And for that reason, they had the courage to do it as well. I encourage you to look it up. This is The Wire, sorry to get real, <laughs> you know, but it is like that sometimes. You know, if you have anything, post it down below. I'd love, I'd love to read your, your uh, comments and maybe we'll even be able to talk about it next week's show. But once again, this is The Wire. Thank you for watching. We'll catch you next week. Stay fresh, stay clean, wear a mask, happy birthday, whatever it is, get it done.